Those are sandhill cranes that you can hear there in the distance. And around here, that's our first sign of spring. And after a long winter, that is a welcome sound, let me tell you. Though it's also a pretty peculiar sound, isn't it? They sound like dinosaurs. And maybe that's because, well, they're sort of leftovers from that era. There are fossils from sandhill cranes that go back to woolly mammoth times. And yet they almost went extinct. Thanks to us draining the marshes and developing the wetlands, we took their habitat. You know, we didn't see any use. We saw that as wasted space. But actually, we really need them for the ecology. They help purify the water. They support a number of living things, including the sandhill cranes. But thanks to the efforts of conservationists and also the adaptation skills of the sandhill cranes themselves, they made a comeback. They have made a comeback. Their sound, theirs is a sound of resilience. When I hear them, I hear hope. Welcome to On the Path, a new Talk As We Walk podcast from Ashtanga Dispatch. You know, walking outdoors is one of the healthiest forms of exercise and easiest ways to get out in nature. And in many ways, it's become its own form of a mindfulness practice, especially during this past year. Walking has helped keep many of us moving and stay grounded during a really difficult time. Though, you know, it's even better than walking, walking with a friend. And so that's what we hope to bring you each month, a new trail to explore and someone alongside to inspire and encourage you on the path. And today, that someone is me, Peg Queen, along with my two pups, of course, Cindy and Moose. After we're done, make sure you go over to the show notes at ashtangadispatch.com and check out the playlist that we've also put together for this month. It includes musician and songwriter Mark Pilly, whose music you hear on all of our podcasts. Okay, you ready to go? Let's go lace up your shoes and let's walk together. So today you are walking with the pups and me up the dirt road that leads past our house and up to the top of the mountain where there is this big stretch of public land and then bordering it is actually Ted Turner's land where he keeps a big herd of bison up there. 
it's on our way, we'll, we'll pass the Spurcross Ranch, which has a bunch of steer out there and sometimes a potbelly pig in the driveway, which just delights Indy to no end. Not the pig, just Indy. Anyway, it's a pretty, it's a pretty long stretch. It's about five miles round trip. It climbs about 500 feet. You won't be with me for the whole walk because I won't be able to talk for part of it. When the pandemic hit, I made a promise to myself to get outside and walk every single day. And that may not seem like a big deal if you don't live in Montana, because the winters here are long and they are rough. There are some frigid cold temperatures we've walked in. I've walked when the snow comes to my knees. I've walked in rain. And of course we do have really beautiful days as well. This morning it snowed and right now the clouds are starting to lift and it looks like in the afternoon we'll have some sunshine but we need this rain. It's been really dry lately. But anyway, we've been walking. It's something that Megan and I used to do when she was here. She's of course living in Tasmania now and we've been separated for over a year. It's the longest amount of time we've ever been apart. And we used to walk the dogs together every day. And we actually still do. So in the afternoon, I'll take the pups for another walk and Megan will take her dog Bowie and we'll chat while we walk. And that's where the idea for this podcast actually came from, was our walks and talks or talks and walks. It's just such an, it's such an easy way to connect both with nature. It's a, a mindful activity. It's good exercise. I like walking. Let, let me be frank. I actually enjoy it. I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it in the cold, but I think it went a long way in helping me embrace, embrace winter. I didn't grow up in Montana. I grew up on the East Coast. Most of my life spent in and around Baltimore, my growing up years before I moved to DC. My parents are from New York. They're living on the East Coast now. There's been a lot of talk, you know, with COVID and, and those who are aging and I have to tell you, my dad has been a trooper. My 86-year-old dad has not complained about this pandemic, about being stuck at home, about being in the hospital twice during this with an infection, not complained once. He just does what he does, makes the best of any situation, My dad had a car accident 
a little bit before he and my mom were married, and it shattered his hip. And those were the days before they had hip replacements. And so they put a metal rod in place of his hip. So one week after they were married, my dad went into the hospital to get that surgery and spent the next two years in that veterans hospital. So first two years of their marriage, he was confined to a hospital bed. So back then they put you in a body cast. He had a cast up to the top of his chest, all the way down. And they always tell the story, my mom, for that entire two years, drove to see my dad every single evening. So that was 45 miles to the hospital and 30 miles home. So she'd see him on her way home from work. Two things. One is my mom coming every day to visit him because, well, the way he grew up, that was, that was quite different and quite special. Like he understood that. And I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But the other story, which makes me laugh because it really does explain my dad is, so the other vets in the hospital would have this running card game in the evenings. And it was at somebody's room down the hall. So the nurses would leave a gurney next to my dad's bed. Now remember, he can't move his legs, can't move his body, only his arms. Well, he would turn on his belly and then shimmy himself onto the gurney. And then he would take the canes and propel himself down the hallway to the room where the card game was happening. And he'd play cards with the guys. Because that's what my dad does. I was born in New York, but when the New York Herald Tribune went out of business, my dad was a pressman, just like his dad and his brothers and his brothers-in-law. So he worked in the press rooms back when they had newspapers. But when the New York Herald Tribune went out of business, he moved down to Baltimore and got a job with the Baltimore Sun. I think I was 18 months old at that point and bought a little row home in Baltimore City. But a few years after that, while my mom was pregnant with my sister, there was a second car accident. A woman ran a red light and uh, his hip, his hip was fine, had metal in it. I guess that protected it. But this time it was his knee that was shattered. So once again, he was in a hospital bed, but this time the hospital bed was in our living room. He was confined there for, I actually can't remember living in that house when we didn't have a hospital bed, a big metal hospital bed in the living room. So I was in kindergarten then, and I would get off the bus around lunchtime, come in, I would empty his bed pan, my mom be at work, and I would go into the refrigerator and get out our lunch, and I'd climb onto his hospital bed, and on his chest where there was a cast, we would use that as the table where we ate lunch. And he had drawn a checkerboard on his cast and we would play checkers in the afternoon. 
my mom's a little bitter when she tells the story. She's like, oh, he would never let you win. <laughs> and it really doesn't matter to me because I don't remember winning or losing. All I remember is playing. And I remember thinking how lucky I was to have my dad all to myself those afternoons. I can't, he never complained. He made the best of whatever it was, but more than anything, he valued family. So if you ask him about it, he'd probably tell you the same. He loved those afternoons playing cards and checkers with me. And P.S. He's made me a pretty damn good player. And if we were to play, I can assure you I would not let you win either. But yeah, my dad knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be stuck at home, immobile. He's known his fair share of hardship. He grew up with one of seven in Hell's Kitchen, New York. You know, when it really was Hell's Kitchen. My grandfather was an immigrant from Ireland. They paid him to leave. And that's not actually a joke. Like, I actually think his family paid him to come to the States. He was a character. He was charismatic and delightful with his drinking buddies and a terrible father. Drank away his paycheck. Yeah, my dad lived through some hard times there. There's actually a book, Jimmy Breslin. He was a New York Times reporter, wrote some best-selling books. He wrote the book, The Gangs That Don't Shoot Straight. I think that's what the name of it was. Anyway, my grandfather was so beloved by the guys at the bar. He actually is in the book. So if you go to that book, you can find Mole Queen. He's a character in there. Made him a carpenter, not a pressman. But that's my grandpa. My dad talks about how they would have to leave every place they lived because every three months because, well, they would get behind on their rent. And so the landlords wouldn't evict you until you were three months behind. So right when it got to the three months... The whole family would pack up everything they had and put it on a milk truck, like a horse-drawn milk truck. And they would move their stuff to another part of the city and stay there for another three months. And life went on like that. My grandma thought it was great when he was in the hospital. She couldn't get over that they fed you three meals. She thought that was terrific. There was one place they lived for a little bit of time. It was an apartment building, and on their floor were four apartments. And all four apartments shared one bathroom. One bathroom with no shower and no hot water, just a toilet. 
So my dad's family rented two of the apartments, just little one-bedroom apartments, and the girls stayed on one and the boys stayed in the other. My dad would go to the community center with his twin brother, and those clergymen would drive in, get him pizza, get him a shower, and play basketball with him. And you know, looking back, my dad knows that they did that for them. Like, so they would have a hot meal. So they would have a shower. It was their way of kind of stepping in, looking after him in, in a small way. You know, those were different times. They'd never let that happen now. And my dad tells stories when he was in the city. I mean, again, he rarely tells the hardship stories. They always have a good character. They always have a fun turn. You know, he talks about (laughs) taking my Uncle John, who was terrified of heights. This is his twin brother. And they used to play on the rooftops of the tall buildings. And my dad, who was fearless and not afraid of heights, would hang from his fingertips from those buildings to scare my Uncle John. My dad's a huge baseball fan. Played stickball as a kid with my Uncle John. And used to go to Ebbets Field. And in the outfield, I think it was like five cents, 25 cents, and you could get in and and watch the players. And he remembers Frankie Robinson, Pee Wee something, gosh. He'd be so embarrassed by me now that I don't know their names. But they would go up there to Ebbets Field and they'd watch them play. Not a New York Yankees fan. (laughs) Definitely not. But I've never known my dad when he could run. He's always walked with a pretty good limp. That leg has always been stiff. And I've watched through the years how people have reacted to that. And it, it breaks my heart sometimes. He's really self-conscious, doesn't like to put anyone out doesn't like to be a nuisance, hold anyone up, whatever. I remember times we'd be sitting at church, the Catholic church, and he'd have to sit because his left leg is the one that's stiff and he'd have to sit on the right side of the church all the way to the left so that his leg could kind of stick out to the aisle because it doesn't bend. And people would look disgusted when they would get to that row and have to climb over him as if, and Catholics are kind of notorious for this, making a quick escape at the end of mass. Because he'd hold them up for making their quick escape. Which is kind of the culture that exists right now. You know, nobody get in my way. It's kind of all about me. I'm not saying that exists everywhere, but boy, 
you realize how prevalent it is when you're the one in someone's way, when you're the slow driver, when you're the one whose leg sticks out. A few days before my 16th birthday, my dad was at the press room and somebody forgot to secure one of the really heavy uh, pieces of machinery that run the presses. And so when my dad came for a shift, that weight became dislodged and fell on his good foot, on the good leg, crushed every single bone in his foot. And I just remember, like saying to God, really? Like how much can one person take? How much is one person expected to bear? I was so angry. I was angry at God. How could God let that happen? But my dad had no room for stuff like that. He still doesn't. No room for resentment. No room for what if, if only. Nope. We celebrated my 16th birthday in his hospital room. We had cake. We had hats. I have pictures. And it was actually <laughs> our kind of normal just like camping in front of the wood stove of our house. We used to take all the comforters off the beds, all the pillows, and line them up like sleeping bags. Granted, I want you to know, my parents have never camped outside a day in their life, but this was camping. Line up the pillows, line up the comforters, all snuggle inside, tell stories, just the way we do with the kids now only we're outdoors and we do it for recreation and back then we were doing it because my parents couldn't pay the heating bill and so to stay warm they used a wood stove and gathered us kids in the living room and made it feel like a treat made it feel special and it was it was special. You know, they say that that which doesn't break you makes you. And I really do believe that. I think we are formed more by the hardships, the things that we've endured, the things that we have not only survived, but learned to thrive in. That is what really makes us who we are. When the pandemic hit and we were all forced to stay at home, 
when we were separated from the people we love and our communities, churches, our sense of purpose. It was almost paralyzing. Most of us have never been in that situation. Hopefully we'll never be again. But I have to say, I think that we have grown as well. Think about it right now. It, it, it kind of um, perplexed me in a way that when we as yogis lost our communities and our teachers that really freaked us out as if like, how would we know? What would we do? We would flounder. It was, it felt desperate. And maybe that's because we have had so much handed to us so easily. I mean, if you want to learn how to do something, Bakasana, if you want to learn how to do float in a sun salutation or an arm balance or handstand, my goodness, you can just open up one of the thousands of tutorials and learn and be told exactly how. And in fact, there are more than just tutorials that like to tell us how. And so without it, I think we were afraid we would be forever lost. We couldn't imagine doing it on our own. We couldn't imagine being alone. We couldn't imagine not having eyes upon us. But it's been this year of like not having eyes upon us that I think we've really dug in and figured out what we're made of. I found out through a winter here in Montana, I'm a lot more resilient than I gave myself credit for. And I'm a lot hardier. I can do this. Right now, I got a bum shoulder. I was uh, digging. I was digging the trenches for potatoes and overusing my right side as I do. And yeah, chaturangas right now are just not happening. But it doesn't stop me from practicing. I just practice different. I just adapt what I'm doing so that it makes me feel better, not worse. So it's not like rocket science. It's just really listening to our bodies. And it starts with appreciating the bodies that we have. Appreciating what we can do, what is possible. A few years ago, my dad came out here for a bit. My mom and dad came out here for a bit for a visit and my dad started walking with me in the morning. So from my house to the dirt road that we're on right now is half a mile. So if you walk just to the dirt road and back, that's a mile. So my dad would come with me and we would walk. We start off walking just part of the way and back. 
and then worked our way up to three quarters of the way and back until finally my dad was walking all the way to the end of the road and back with me. Slowly, yes, with his cane, yes. I remember at one point he said to me, Peggy, you go on. I don't want to hold you up. Go on and walk. I'll be fine. And I said, Dad, that's, that's not why I'm out here. I'm not out here to get it over with. I'm not even out here to walk. <laughs> I'm out here to be with you. And so if it takes you longer, then that just means we got more time together. At the end of his time here, I took him up to these waterfalls up in Highlight. And it's about a mile. It's a little rockier, a little more precarious than, than just the dirt road here. But I sure to me be okay. You'd have to hold on to me for a bit of the way. And I remember we got about three quarters of the way and it was hard. And probably harder than I remembered. But again, no hurry. Take things slow. At one point he looked at me and he said, I don't think I'm going to make it. I, I think you better just go on. You and your mom go on. I'll just stay here. And I just looked at him and I said, oh, dad, you have made it through far worse than this with far less reward. We can do this. We can do this. And together, we did. So we are at the ranch now, and this is where that stretch goes up and winds up where I am going to be so out of breath. So I am going to leave it here with you now and let you know that it is my hope to each month to bring you on a different trail and another friend, some company to walk with, somebody to inspire and encourage you along the path, keep you company maybe. Because though we're transitioning, we are still in it. And it is nice not to be alone. It is good to have each other. And so I hope you will tune in, subscribe on the website, ashtangadispatch.com. Join us on our walks. Next month, I hope to have you someone else, someplace else but I'll still be walking. And thank you. Thanks for joining me. The pups thank you too. And we'll chat again next month. All about my head is a little bird Singing on his wild, singing to be heard. And all about his head 
is the open sky Singing about a life And you and I So come, honey, come on The way you're here to sun 